0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Wednesday, November 15th, and we're talking White Sox baseball today with Scott Burkin, our White Sox reporter for MLB.com. Scott, we thank you for the time, and of course, uh, the GM meetings are underway currently in Orlando, Florida, so Rick Hahn, among his uh, counterparts down there in the Sunshine State. Now, Han has gone on the record and said that uh, you know this offseason is going to be much more quiet and subdued as compared to uh, last off season, highlighted by uh, the big trade of uh, Chris Sale to the Red Sox and some other uh, transactions as well on that level. So my question to you, Scott, is quite simply, do you believe Rick Hahn or
1: not? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, th- there's no way it could be as active as the last year, that's for sure. It's interesting because the last offseason – You know, he made the big splash when you trade, you know, one of the game's best pitchers in Chris Sale, and then you trade one of the game's best leadoff man and a pretty solid outfielder, and and a very good outfielder, as a matter of fact, in Adam Eaton, and you get the haul they got back where they got seven players who, you know, at at least I would say six could at some point figure in the major league level at the rebuild, but those are the two main trades they made in the offseason, and I think a lot of groundwork, I I don't know as much groundwork, but a lot of... Information was laid out during the offseason, knowing who's going to be available. And I guess you could add the fact that, you know, for instance, they brought in a guy like Anthony Swarzak as a non-roster invite, who ended up being a trade, you know, a, a, a trade move they made to Milwaukee during the season as well. But in terms of big moves, it was Sale and Eaton last offseason. And then the year, you know, after the trade deadline, Rick really, you know, took care of things, you know, was centered on the Jose Quintana trade that brought back Eloy Jimenez and Dylan C. So, yeah, there's no – I think Rick was being right on the money on that one. There's no possible way they're going to be that active. And I think this is really, in this stage of the rebuild, this is kind of the development part. Now, it's not saying they're not done adding talent. You know, they have two kind of main guys that we've talked about before in the podcast and Jose Abreu and Avi Garcia, Abbey Sal Garcia, who are they have two years of control over. So they're kind of going through the process of, you know, do these guys fit long-term or are these guys going to be – a major part when we want it, when we figure we can contend for a title next, which is 2020, 2021, or are these guys better serve for us by trying to move them now and, you know, adding to the core we've already developed. And I think the the best thing they can do, and Rick pointed this out at the GM meetings, but he's pointed out many times before is there's no, there's no untouchables on that roster. So they're certainly listening on both and pretty much, you know, almost everyone else. I mean, if you can trade Chris sale and Jose Quintana, you're going to pretty much trade everyone. I remember Jerry Reinsdorf joking at a winter meetings a couple years ago that Michael Jordan was the only untouchable he had. And that's been pretty much been proven true during this rebuild, I think.
0: Yeah. So that brings me uh, to my next uh, point. My next topic is that, you know, uh, when you hear Rick Khan say these things and make these comments. So if I'm Jose Abreu or Avi Garcia and I'm, and I'm reading this or hearing this at home, do I think to myself, well, I'm safe, you, you know, rather than, wake up every day and wonder, oh, is there a rumor out there about me? Could I be headed in a multi-team package somewhere else? So, so again, if I'm one of these two guys, do I feel pretty secure right now that come opening day I am going
1: to be playing for the White Sox? I think they should feel secure in that they know they're valued by the organization, so it's going to take a large talent haul. And I'm not saying it's going to take the talent haul that Pride Chris Sale lose or Jose Quintana lose, but it's going to take more than just kind of a throwaway you know, a player, minor leaguer, you know, just to fill out the trade to acquire them. So they know the value they have in the organization. So they know if they're going to be moved, it's an organization that values them even more than that, which is a pretty good level. I mean, you know, these guys were asked about it. They knew it was going on. It's not like, you know, it, it was news to them. They, they observed their locker mates and teammates and, you know, Melky Cabrera was in the corner where Jose Abreu was and, you know, he was he was traded and they know the story, they know the rebuild going on. So they, you know, have talked about how they want to stay with the White Sox just as Chris sale did and just as Jose Quintana did, but they also know that may not be possible in the direction they're going. So I don't think they feel, I don't know if they need to feel safe. I think they feel confident that the team wants them and the team will do the right thing by them for not just them, but for the team as well.
0: And Scott, of course you brought up, uh, you know, the, the major trade that were, uh, you know, Obviously, a number of big trades. I think the biggest one, obviously, was sending the ace, Chris Sale, uh, to the Red Sox for that uh, highly regarded prospect package uh, back from Boston. As we're talking right now uh, on this Wednesday, we're about an hour or so away from the reveal of the 2017 uh, AL and NL Cy Young winners. Of course, Chris Sale is uh, in the mix in the American League. Uh, his competition, Corey Kluber and uh, Luis Severino of the Yankees. One thing I want to ask you, I haven't covered the White Sox now for a couple of years, uh, a number of years, uh, is that back in 2014, I was kind of surprised to find out by checking out baseball reference that 2014, the only time in Sale's career up to this point, that he's had a top three Cy Young finish. That, again, I think would surprise a lot of people that he's only had the one top three finish prior to this year. When I look back at 2014, That year, uh, ironically, Kluber won it. He could win it again uh, this year and deny Sale a second time. Uh, King Felix from Seattle finished second. And when I look at the numbers, I I feel like Sale's numbers that year were superior. But the one area which hurt him, in my mind, was that he only made 26 starts, uh, whereas Hernandez and Kluber made 30-plus easily. So when you look back and you, you think back to Sale from three years ago, was that the biggest reason why he did not win the Cy Young back in 2014?
1: Yeah, you know, and you bring up an interesting point there, Matt, because i not looking at the numbers <laughs> Excuse me, right in front of me, but I believe that Kluber has made less starts than, than Sale this year. You know, and, and right. Kluber had the injury that he had to deal with this year. So, you know, I, I, personally, and, and even taking, like, you know, bias from knowing Sale and becoming friendly with Sale and, and enjoying covering Sale over the years, I really think if you go from start to finish, that Chris Sale is the AL Cy Young winner this year. I don't know if he's going to win. And a matter of fact, it sounds like you know the trend was with Corey Kluber's amazing. Thing. And trust me, you vote for Kluber or you vote for Severino. It's not like you're voting for someone who doesn't deserve it. That's for sure. But you know I think Sale, much like he was for the White Sox at the beginning of his last year with the White Sox, which would have been 16, was for the Red Sox this year, more than a Cy Young candidate, like for the first month or two months, maybe even three, he was, he was an MVP candidate. He was, you know, the offense was not clicking for Boston and he was the guy kind of driving that team. Now I know, you know, he's, he's had issues in the past with kind of, you know, I don't want to say rough finishes, but not finishes commensurate with his amazing starts. And that may get him this year, but I think, you know, yeah, I, I think he's almost deserving every year. And if you look, man, he's, he's kind of circled around, the Cy Young, you know, third and fifth and fourth. And I think there was a sixth in there. And, you know, I, I think one will be, if it's not this year, one will be coming soon for him.
0: Yeah, I agree. And uh, there's a lot of debate about, you know, and you brought up the interesting point in that, you know, in, in 2014, uh him making less starts than Kluber hurt him in the end. Well, this year the situations are reversed where Kluber made fewer starts. He had the injury issues, and maybe that kept him fresher down the stretch because, like you said, uh, Sale, you know, he didn't didn't stumble to the finish line, but he certainly was not the lights-out pitcher in September than he was in April, May, and June. That is is certainly the case there. So it's going to be a very interesting vote. Uh, they're going to be the top two finishers. Uh, finishers, I think that's a foregone conclusion. And we'll see yeah. if uh, Kluber gets his second or Sale gets his first. Uh, Scott, as we come down uh, the home stretch here, uh, you know, only in baseball can you find a story like this. And, and I love this. Uh, a man named Jerry Owens, who White Sox fans may or may not recall, kind of had four uh, nondescript seasons with the White Sox between 2006 and 2009. That was the entirety of his big league career. In those four years, he get a grand total of one home run, and that one home run against none other than the late, great Roy Halladay. And of course, we saw the remembrance ceremony in Florida yesterday, uh, the very emotional ceremony uh, with Halladay's uh, wife and kids and, and former teammates and managers and so forth. So it was a very uh, timely story on WhiteSox.com, you uh, you know, speaking to Jerry Owens and what, you know, what kind of sticks out to you about uh, – or what sticks out to him, I guess, about having the one career home run against one of the greatest that ever lived?
1: Well, I, I think the interesting thing for Jerry is that that was the year – that was his best year. I think he stole 32 bases. He was more of a speed guy. He was going to be their kind of leadoff man of the future. And the big thing for him in that game was it won – you know, it was a game-winning homer. He hit a two-run shot with uh, one-time White Sox second baseman Danny Rashard on first. And it's interesting because Roy Halliday and Mark Burley, who, you know, Mark Burley, I think, is right up there with, you know, in, in our generation, one of the better pitchers in the game, had two just masterful battles that year. One was in Toronto, where I believe Mark Burley threw a complete game, lost two nothing. He allowed a home run to Frank Thomas, a home run to Aaron Hill, and did not allow another base runner the entire game. No walks, hit batsmen, no hits, but that was enough to lose. And in this game, Roy Halliday threw the hundred and twenty six pitch complete game. Mark Burley worked eight scoreless, and he won two nothing on the basis of Jerry Owens to run homer. You know, Jerry admitted he didn't, he didn't get to talk to Mr. Halliday. He didn't get to know him, but he said he had great respect for him. And he said, one of the things I didn't get to put in the story was he said he didn't realize how big he was on the mound. He mm-hmm. said, you know, he's six, five, but he said, standing out there, he just had this presence. And he said, he was just what a starting pitcher was all about. That's what you wanted as a starting pitcher. Just forget not forget the stuff but along with the great stuff and he talked about having command of five pitches just had that presence that you knew you were in for a night's work when you were facing Roy Halladay
0: yeah certainly and uh, like you said he stood bigger than his uh, six foot five frame on that mount he seemed like seven five or eight five and uh, great uh, recollection there from Jerry Owens and I mean what a what a feather in his cap I mean in the light of a tragedy of course with the passing of Roy Halladay but to have your only career home run in four years against a guy of that caliber. Uh, That is something he's going to be telling his grandkids about one day. There's no question there. Scott Merkin, a pleasure as always. We'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras Chicago White Sox.